Hello, twos and threes, and welcome again to our podcast, podcast number two with our fabulous Tony G. Um, just to recap, we um, talked with him last time about his incredible testimony of grace um, and of redemption and the things that God has done in his life, turning it from a place of real blackness and darkness to a place of light and love and life. Um, incredible, incredible story, but we're not done yet. So we're going to pick it up again. Um, we uh, So we kind of covered your, your early life and your married life last time um, and your huge kind of conversion experiences with God um, and his calling you into ministry and stuff like that. Um, and then we would really like to look at um, kind of your family life and your study and where you're at and things like that. Um, so we'll just quickly play our intro and we'll get into it. Two or three gathered is a series of conversations with Christian brothers and sisters considering their efforts and contributions to the kingdom vocationally, their stories and testimony of God's sovereignty and grace, and an opportunity to tackle the relevant issues the church faces in the 21st century. In this, we seek to equip the saints by networking within the body, starting the conversation around often taboo subjects and seeking to develop unity across Christian denominations and traditions by opening up uh, discussion on worthy and necessary topics. We want to help educate the wider body of Christ by asking experts and people of wisdom across multiple fields the hot button questions and sophisticated questions that we believe there are answers for in Christchurch, but that there is not necessarily always access to. We want to further the growth of knowledge and wisdom in ourselves, to worship God with our minds and fellowship with all of you as we collectively seek to discern what God-glorifying discipleship looks like for us in our respective vocations and in our spheres of influence. It is our heart and hope that Christ himself would be in our midst as we converse about things we believe he himself is very interested in. Welcome, twos or threes. Thank you for gathering with us. So thank you and welcome back. And yeah, let's let's get into it, Tony. Let's talk about family. How do you go from um, being abused as a kid and going through a lot of the stuff that you saw and a lot of the darkness that you saw and have enough um, faith and trust and hope to be able to raise children? Amazing why. I've had quite a quite a few girlfriends and quite a few experiences and uh, they'd all gone the wrong way and um, I remember I'd broken up with one girl uh, or she had broken up with me and I just I really struggled with that and I remember I went started running and man, I'd run. I could run marathons at the end of that. And I ran for 18 months every single morning. And it just got longer and longer and longer because I just had all of this tension inside of me. Mm. And I remember 18 months, I, I come to the top of this hill and I could see across the valley. And there was a train that my ex-girlfriend caught every morning. And I won't say it on air, but I swore. I swore it loud and just said, I've had enough of this. And walked down the hill and didn't run again for years and years. And I, I challenged God and said, look, you brought Eve to Adam. You done it. I'm, I've had enough. I've had enough of trying to do this myself. You sorted it out. Mm. Two weeks yeah. later, 
two weeks later, I, I meet Sarah for the first time. And um, 18 months later, I think it was, we're, we're married. Um, and we uh, decided... After seeing, her in the after seeing her in the kitchen, right? You know, seeing her reading the book. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Came <laughs> down the stairs the first time yeah. I ever... I can still see it. Yeah. yeah. Running yeah. down those stairs, came around. Anyway, we get married, come to New Zealand. We're here for... We're, we, we do a round the world trip back to the UK, sort out my property over there. Then we... Um, I'm not allowed back in New Zealand. They wouldn't let me back in the country because of I'm my I'm surprised past. you're such an wow. upstanding citizen, you know, <laughs> like you've got such a great record. <laughs> because, so they'd let me in on a one-year working visa, but they wouldn't let me in um, uh, because of my past. And like, hey, it's not a huge record, but it was a, rec it was a record. Mm. And um, we're just like, man what are we going to do we had all of these hopes and dreams of uh coming over here um and it's not the old saying it's not what you know it's who you know and and mm. my wife's family are pretty well connected and we've got a lot of letters and a lot of support mm. and it eventually has to go to the minister yeah whatever. Wow. yeah and see at the sign signed it off and said no he's a good man and let me in and cool. um and the day that they, the day that they signed it off, was the day that I emailed them to say that my wife was pregnant with our first boy, and would be she would be coming back to New Zealand for for our first lad to be born, and they said no, you're allowed in. So we were back here in the August, November, long long term. Did that help with your say your residency? Because once you've had a kid in the country, they generally in your favor right he gave me that was residency so they, right that was right residency. i see. It was allowed in um and then three years later i could get my citizenship but i didn't right. i held on i only got my citizenship a, a few years ago i didn't really need citizenship once you got right. whatever so there's no no pressure anyway so we came back here first one was born to be honest with you love him to bits but after the first 13 weeks was a an utter nightmare um wow. we had emigrated um moved a couple of times first first kid born starting up a business it was just and and he had um colic um, oh not fun he would cry every night from about seven to about one in the morning oh. um just Green and I remember Boxing Day 2005. Oh, yeah. I went up to um, up to the end of the peninsula where I live, and uh, I was ready to leave. I was mm. ready. No, I've had enough of this. I'm. I'm. And my mum uh, called me, and she said, "No, it is. It's. It's really difficult. That first bit is really difficult. Yeah. But you're. Over, you'll. You'll get through it." Yeah. And um, not too much advice I ever take from my old dear. Oh, they took that. <laughs> an awesome midwife. She was fantastic, and she cool. gave us some advice. And we went to see this cranial osteopath. Oh. As you may know, when the kid comes out, they go, oh, it's egg. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and this guy, this guy down in in Milford on the North Shore, just messed around with Dom's head and and done some stuff on his head. Boom! Crime was gone. Wow. It was amazing. Wow, that's and, incredible. And the, and the midwife had already said first 13 weeks and then, then he'll be fine. 
and um, it was spot on. Sixteen years later, he's still fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like any teenager, it could be a pain in the backside at times. But then, we, then our second one come along. So he doesn't scream all night, though. He doesn't just well, go. Now, now he wakes us up at night by getting up and going into the kitchen, and yeah, suddenly a gourmet chef or something. I'm going to get it on and wake everybody up and bang and crash and da da da. He's talented like his dad. He's talented like his dad. That's why. Um, <laughs> Tony, is was that business just for reference? The business you're starting up—that was the arborist business that you were mentioning last week. Yeah, time? yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, landscaping and um, yeah, tree surgery. Yeah, so I've yeah. done that and and um, yeah. so so how did you navigate? I mean, so the first thirteen weeks, I mean, I, I, the first few months of of any baby's life is challenging. The first child um but how did you like so when your your children started getting to like age 10 early teens you know that time where for you that was a really just awful experience of time for you like did that bring up stuff for you from the moment from the moment they were they were born um well don was when don was born um they handed him to me and I just burst into tears. Um, this huge weight of responsibility, just like this little thing that wasn't here, is now here looking at me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm responsible for this. I am responsible. Yeah. So it's a huge um, weight on me. And I, I remember speaking to God and just saying, like, I, I don't want to fail him. Um, and then, of course, when when Ash comes along, I don't want to I don't want to fail him, mm. and um, I want to be better. And I, I'd always said to myself, I I don't want what I had growing up. We grew up in poverty, like we mm. were skin tans, but like we, we parents had to get um, loans from from dodgy companies because the bank wouldn't touch us. I remember hiding mm. behind the sofa for the debt collector and all of that sort of business. And it was like, I am not going to be living that life. My mm. kids are not mm. going to be living that life. And unfortunately, God has, has journeyed with me and has, mm. wow. Yeah. I can't believe how much God has, has transformed my life to the point mm. where I am now. But we'll get on to that later. So it was always this um, sense of responsibility for the lads. And I wanted a better relationship with them and a, a completely honest and open relationship with them. So as they grew up, we started doing um, sex education with the boys from, man, they were really young. I remember mm. we went to this. Um, so when the boys were first born, me and Sarah found it that first few years of marriage and, and kids was just so difficult. Yeah. And I think it was my in-laws sent us off to some Christian marriage conference, which I just mm. thought was, was a load of BS, <laughs> to be honest with you. But we went along, and then this couple sat with us and spoke with us. They'd done this thing with they chatted with Sarah and done, filled out this survey, filled out the survey with me. And we found out, I think Sarah was like a golden retriever, and I was like a lion. And right. that's why we struggled to communicate and they, they yeah. explained to me what the golden retrieve was like, what the this beautiful, friendly puppy wanted. 
Mm-mm. And then what lions do? <laughs> Eat golden retrievers. <laughs> oh, it was just like overwhelming, scary at times. And it was like, and it's understandable because of, hey, I'm a South London boy. Mm. It's hung around with villains, done villain things. And I, and I just grew up in this real sort of like intensely negative, violent, criminal. Yeah, just mm. it was. But I needed to shove that out of my life. And mm. you know, like when you go oh, Myers-Briggs and, and all of that sort of stuff, I'm not a lion. I'm not a lion. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. Mm. And that's how I had to see myself. And that's how I had to see my wife and my kids. And I learned a lot of this stuff when I was doing my bachelor's degree, how, mm. how we actually view ourselves. Mm. And how we view our relationship with God. And mm. so with the boys, I've always been open. And as they reach certain ages, especially from age 10 upwards, there would be a lot of father and son weekends away. And, and I remember I got a, um, uh, a parenting tape for, for teenagers entering into teenage life. And there's certain stages um, that you listen to certain sides of bits of the tape or CD at the time. And, um, and just started the conversation with the boys and and I learned this from Mick Duncan that, that awesome Baptist minister mm. I think he's down in Wanganui now anyway um because Mick had had this crazy teenage life as well of, of drugs and and abuse and everything and mm. he had been um completely reinterpreted by God and I said to to Mick when do you tell your children and he's like God will tell you when you tell them and how much you tell them. Right. Wow. Wow. My testimony with my kids when they're about 10, because I knew that they were going to hear it because I do things like this. I've been on national radio before and, and and TV and everything. So it's just like, I just got to be honest with them because they're going to be hearing this drum. So what you're saying there is that your kids were seeing that you were getting media opportunities and they're thinking, what is it about dad? That's, you know, then actually yeah. making this necessary, they're asking questions, and it kind of came up naturally, organically, is what you're saying. It, to a certain extent, because I'd, every church, if I got invited to churches to speak, and I remember Ian Grant invited me on his Christmas show once, so there I am on Christmas Day being interviewed on, on the radio, and hundreds of thousands of people listening to me share my faith. And mm. so they had seen it, but they didn't fully know it. And so I had to speak as a father to a son and explain in the simplest terms. So you don't go into, like, because my, my parents um, struggled with me and I struggled with my parents, but their relationship with their grandparents is different. Mm, and, yeah. and so I couldn't be as harsh as I could be um from from because i still love I, I do love my parents but it was just like i've got to share things and how do you you can't you don't just say rape to, to no no so you don't do this sort of stuff. secondary so trauma <laughs> yeah the thing because i think when they were young especially when i was my first and second year of bible college i really really struggled what but end of the second year i nearly didn't make it for the third 
and I was really struggling with my faith was collapsing around me because that's mm. what Bible college does to you. Yep. We were struggling financially because I was no that's what Bible working. college does to you. I kept the business going and I was only at college like three days a week or whatever. And I could go and do some tree surgery and some money. Sarah was able to get a bit of work. She's a school teacher. So she was covering for people. But that second year, when I'd taken the jump, because I'd only signed up to do one year, I'd done so well in the first year, they encouraged me to do the three years. Mm. So I gave up work. I was struggling financially. The church was supporting us. It was stressful. And um, so it's almost like, I was being traumatized and um, my greatest fear in life was being poor mm, mm. and we were poor. Um, it was really painful and my, my faith was all over the place. It was really difficult time. And, and it was almost like I was, I was traumatizing my kids, um, my family, my family was, I couldn't say at breaking point, but it was really, really difficult. Mm. Um, it was that end of the second year, end of the second year, I spoke to Dr. Mark Kuhn at Laidlaw, um, who was probably the, the closest lecturer that, that I had. He was just a great guy to me and really supportive of me. And I went and saw him on the last day and said, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. And he said to me, you need to go and write your story. Um, if you write your story, you'll find out where God is in it. Mm. I left his office. I remember walking through down the stairs to, to my little red car. And before I got there, I knew I was going to be writing. Mm. And that that summer holiday, um, it's about 45,000 words uh, of my story, of my testimony. And that changed the understanding of who I am, who mm. God is, who my children are who my wife is it changed everything mm. it changed absolutely everything tony and, given, tony given what you've actually said about you've, you've hinted a little bit about what your masters is about yeah there seems some parallels there was that kind of a defining moment like that actually informed oh, later on what you thought what you ended up doing i already knew i already knew the di direction of my masters as mm. i know that now know the direction of my doctorate <laughs> i know I struggled at Bible college because the, the Jesus that I knew wasn't the Jesus that they were teaching me. Right. Uh, right. Um, so I I had I had found my faith through a through a drugs overdose and meeting a God and then discovering or just trying to look for my Bible. Oh, there it is. <laughs> through this Bible. It's a John Battilio, who's now sitting with the Lord laughing his head off. <laughs> yeah. He gave me this Bible and um, and still on the sides, you can't really see it, but on the side there is, I put lines there to show me where different sections of the Bible are. Nice. And yeah. I used to read, read that Bible. I didn't go to church because who wants to go and sit in a dusty old church full of old ladies with blue rinses and yeah. standing up and yeah. sitting down yeah. and standing up again. And yeah, oh, I mean, who wants to do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Body believers. I yeah. The God. I wanted to know the God that met me in the past. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was looking for. And when I read that Bible, the words in it, 
spoke to me really mm. clearly Sp- spoke into my life and spoke into an understanding of who I am going from Romans first Corinthians second Corinthians it was just like oh my gosh this mm. this is me this is this mm-hmm. is like this book was written for me mm. then you get the bible college and they're like ah oh, you need to understand this context you need to understand also these two languages <laughs> and and then you need to imagine what it was like or or, or read these books here and go into a library and there's 90,000 books in that library and find this information write down this essay with all of these different bits of information and then share that with me and that will explain da 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 and so 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 basically it's my interpretation using other people's interpretation to explain to the masses because I was doing ministry so I'm going to be preaching and and doing all of that stuff and it's just like so just taking all of this and I've got books all over the place just going to take that sort of mold this idea of what this event was then I'm going to share it with people and people are going to take my interpretation to their interpretation and somehow this works so so are you saying there that doing like the mental exercise the gymnastics of writing it down there was something in that that like you saw the streams converge is that right you see where actually they they kind of kind of going alongside each other or was it different than that it was to a certain extent you've got it to another extent it was i wasn't happy with looking for a god outside of scripture i was i was almost um um it's really difficult to explain and i've got a blooming master's degree in this (laughs) (laughs) what is what is interpretation basically what how do we interpret um and we use for the last like five six hundred years we've used these different languages these original texts we go to back to original texts and then we use history and i wasn't happy with that because i when i read the text and when most people that i know read the, read the bible they don't they don't bust open a greek lexicon they don't they don't read it in hebrew they mm. they don't know any history to their to this mm. And, and you think of all of those people that came before the Enlightenment, what were they doing? And I didn't know what it was. But what I wanted to know, what I wanted to know is, do other people read the Bible how I read the Bible? Right. When I read um, us or we or uh, you are, right. Is this talking to me or is it just them? Is was God, is God just stuck in those places in history from mm. 7,000 years before Christ to, to just a hundred or so years after Christ? Is God stuck there and I've got to meet him there to find out who I am? Or is this book alive? Mm. Is, is this alive? And that's what I wanted to know because I read this book. And honestly, this is how I read it. If I read um, about Adam and Eve, I was Adam and Eve. Mm. This is speaking to me as as this created Mm. being that is broken, that bad things have happened around me. But God is taking me on a journey. It's going to be hard work, but you're going to be all right. 
I'm also Moses. Mm. If this person that's been blessed into and and saved, but also broken and corrupted, but also somebody that wants to go on a journey to find this promised land, that somebody that's been delivered from this life of slavery, of, of drug abuse, neglect, criminality, whatever, all of these things. And now I'm on this journey because God wants to take me to a promised land. I am also pers a person that's fighting for life. I am Joshua trying to take control of this body that for one reason or another, is slowly falling apart or would like to kill me. <laughs> hey, we would just love to drink tons of alcohol because man, alcohol is awesome, but it will kill me. I will. <laughs> I know because this body loves it. Honestly, it would kill it me. It will kill you, yeah. <laughs> what do we think? And so then I'm going on this journey Oh, yeah, I've got this like soul personality in my life that is like this despotic king that is like relationship with God. But actually, I'm going to go my own way. But then I've got this young king in me and David that's actually going to go on another journey. So this all led me up to where am I in Christ in Paul's writing? Where is mm. Christ in me? Who is Christ in me? Mm. And so this was my master's degree. Just looking at what uh, biblical interpretation is, and it came from this book, oh, nice. amazing yeah. book, Brokenness and Blessing Towards the Biblical Spirituality, Francis M. Young. I got this. So when I was in the UK doing my chaplaincy, um, Serum College up in Salisbury, they had their own bookstore. You go down into the basement, you can get all the oh. cheap second handbooks. Oh, oh, my God. I love like, old school English bookstores. Yeah. They're the best. And, and I got this. I think it was 50p. Nice. nice. And, and in this book, she, she speaks about Gregory of Nyssai and, and Abba John the Parisian. And they talk about this stuff. And then, then I've got it here starred. The works illustrate the principles of typology or figural reading. And as I went all the way through this book about suffering and, and blessings in your suffering, it was that figural reading. And in the end, I had to research that. And mm. that is what my master's degree become. What is this figural reading? And do we all do it? So when you're a preacher in church and you're speaking and saying one thing, are they hearing something else? Mm. When are they transporting them back to, say, Mary's journey in, in scripture, or are they speaking into their own journey of a mum who suffers? Mm. And so, like, right, this is my research. So I got into these two guys here. F.M. Madman. There's a bookmark here. Ephraim Madner, I'll get this. Oh, it's a nightmare. I had to write to him in the end. Ephraim Madner answered my question for my master's degree in his, awesome. in, in his introduction in one paragraph. Really? Don't you just love that? We are like, I'm just about to write, you know, 100,000 words and I've got a sentence just under a paragraph. Awesome. Thanks, bro. <laughs> So I wrote to him. I wrote to him, and I just this is wonderful. This is what yeah. you've done for me. And he got back to me. He's a um, 
he's a professor in Wycliffe University in Toronto. And if right. I ever do a, um, a, a doctorate, that's where I will be doing yeah. it. I, I it's it's so it. awesome when you meet people. Like I found that in my master's. I reached out to some mm. people I'd read books on and um and they reach back it's so exciting it's like yay <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah i'm talking to the big wigs now this is exciting <laughs> yeah. and he, yeah. he changed it and he challenged me he said do not take my answer find your own like that nice. and, and, yeah. and that's what i've done and so i actually done my research at a um christian educational college so they is bti and tarong and they're, they're training teachers and counsellors and stuff like that, but they allowed me in as a, as a pastor. Who was your supervisor? Um, oh. <laughs> Put you on the spot, sorry. We'll edit this out, we'll edit this out. <laughs> I've got her, Marianne Sanders, I've got her oh, okay. currently for one of my essays that yes. I'm writing on my, on my, um, Philosophy of education. So I'm using um, some of her books. So yeah, Mary so, so, was fantastic. So Tony, like, please, like, you know, as I understand it, figural reading, you've done a great job of actually pitching it. I just want to, for you know, all our laymen out there, and just you know, myself as well, just so I'm not you know misunderstanding it. Figural reading is this idea that actually the meta narrative of scripture is actually outworked in the life of the believer. Am I right in understanding that's a summary of it? If you see the biblical meta narrative as the big arch over the whole of life, over the whole of human history, then below that, there is almost like raining down through that big rainbow of the, 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 the big story, is that somehow the light of God uses that to trans transform our lives but also to reinterpret our lives so we see our life in the light of the big story so yeah. it's not just sort of almost like a worldview versus a worldview actually it's a it's the light by which we see life yeah. um but that book is this is how brother charles would put it he would be one of the fathers of figural reading brother charles would say that this, the word of God, is at some point given to us by God as individuals. We either hear it, we see it, as in we read it, or we, we see something on a TV program or whatever, and God speaks to us through that, mm. or through what we hear or what we see. And this is the gift of God giving us scripture into our space-time. Mm. And so when we... we all been given this gift of this scripture speaking into our being into our life experience um yeah. that said um we are not human beings having a spiritual experience we're spiritual beings having the human experience we are temporary we're here for a twinkling of an eye yeah. if we're fortunate could be 90 years yeah. and in this, this time that we're in we are given a gift by God to help us get through and help us yeah. to understand the experience that we're experiencing. And yeah. so figural reading would be understanding that book, the word of God, as a direct gift to us that speaks yeah. to us about our internal 
external journey, not just about history or language or things like that. It's actually a conversation that mm. we would have with God by dwelling in the word of God and the word of God dwelling in us and so, reinterpreting us. It reinterprets us. So would you say that, I mean, it's it's a blending or a meeting of exegesis and eisegesis? Yeah, so for those for those who are who are listening who don't know what those words mean, exegesis is reading um, what's in the text and taking out from the the languages and the you know, the context and everything what's in the text. Eisegesis is taking our own lives and reading that back into the text, um, yeah. and and seeing ourselves in the text. So it sounds like it's kind of a, a hermeneutic or a way of reading that brings the two yeah. together, which is really interesting to me because you know eisegesis is often frowned upon and kind of like you do not do that like you know that's not understanding the text of scripture um, more people have read scripture as eisegesis in history than they have as exegesis exegesis hasn't been around that long it's and true. it's mm. this rational sense that we get from the enlightenment that says no you can't do that because we as scientific people as rational people mm. have to slice it into this understanding get to and we sort of like fragment it and just stretch it out yeah there you go mm. here's the pieces there's not mm. too much relationship there so in my research in two churches yeah my conclusion was um yeah that everybody does this i think we do i think we do i mean even you know like i've i've studied um you know theology and and studied it in hebrew and stuff and i like to think that i have a good grasp of exegetical text yeah. you know like being able to understand how to get meaning out of the text but i mean you still in my daily devotions and things i'm still reading it as what is god saying to me about my life in this situation you know um and you can't help but do that if you are looking at it as this is a personal relationship. This is yeah. something where I am trying to understand who God is to me, you know. Um, yeah, I think it becomes very cold and very distant yeah. if you aren't doing that. Most ministers would say that they sit there reading through all of these books and take their interpretation of all of these books on their day when they're writing a sermon and then mm. they just give their interpretation. But the honest mm. truth is that every preacher that stands up on a Sunday morning and preaches what they have shared with their mm. congregation is a minute amount compared to what God gave them in their study yeah <laughs> just, oh yeah oh yeah um, you're constantly culling all the stuff that you know you like I have to narrow this down to 20 minutes like <laughs> honestly when God speaks to you about the text you can't actually get it all down you can't no. you can't write that no. down because it's so intense it's just no. like wow yeah <laughs> i also find i find you know when you are you know doing sermons like i did a sermon series over easter where i was looking at um how do we reflect on ourselves as these characters in the in this story um because i find that actually people connect a lot better when they are like oh you know how would i react to that and and am i a peter or am i a doubting thomas or am i you know like where am i in this story yeah we are all of them we're all of them but you know like i, I find that when it is just sermons that are purely exegetical are, are quite dry and quite mm. dead and people don't remember them because it doesn't relate to who they are well this is this is something i want to yeah this is something i want to query here no no if you don't mind like uh you know, disciple, rabbi, you know, opportunity. 
right? Like I, this is some of the critique I've heard on eisegesis, for example, you know, where they're actually saying, oh, a sermon is just sounding like a, a, a motivational speaky talk. It's like, you are David, you'll conquer your Goliath, you know, and like you'll throw stones and is, is the flaw in it. And it's like when it's just focusing on the good and not necessarily the bad. So it's like, if you're David, then you're, you've probably, you know, lusted after someone else's wife and you've probably tried to murder someone else like be holistic in the whole story is that kind of what you're saying here as well because mm. we we crucify christ yeah yeah we are it's in us it's in us all of this is in us we not only um are we christ on the cross christ's death is in us his death is a part of our being it's a part of our experience but we are also the Pharisee. We have that Pharisaical part of us that, that would crucify God. And, mm. and honestly, thinking my anger at times at God of uh, because of the experience of life, yeah, I've 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 hammered them nails in. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I have been yeah. so angry. I think when we me, me and my wife suffered uh, a miscarriage, twenty thirteen, uh, was uh -huh. in the UK. It was horrendous yeah, i'm so sorry why why do you do that and mm. i think i think this happens to a lot of christians is mm. that they were definitely it, it led to the, the slow descent spiraling death of the church after the first world war after the second world war. god what are you doing what are you doing yeah came, oh god to the cross mm. I think, but we also have we have that 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 murderer, that adulterer, that um, liar, that cheat. All of those things that Paul talks about, all of those characters that we see in Scripture, we've we've got that in us, and yeah. and because we are sinful, we are broken, and so we can see ourselves. We can see Adam and Eve within us. We can see Cain and Abel. I my childhood died. A long time ago, because of a brother that damaged me, mm. as a mm. child of God destroyed me, broke you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we have that Cain and Abel, but for me, it was it was the Lamech. You damaged me. You damaged me. So you think you think Cain was bad? I'm seven times as bad, and and that's what I become. And that's what God saved me from. It, it's sometimes when I'm, I'm asked to preach prodigal son, which I've done just lately. Yes, I'm the prodigal son. But um, yeah, I may have wanted my dad dead to get the inheritance, but actually I think I was worse than that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think figural reading, go, going back to your original question or statement, Jared, is, is just, yeah, it's not about the good stuff. It's not just about the good stuff. It's actually the... The most important thing, I believe, is to find Jesus. If if Christ is in us and we are in Christ, as Paul says, where, where is his life? Where is his death? Where is his resurrection in your being? And for me, that's what transformed my life. And that's what made my master so difficult, because what I thought I was going to be doing was understanding hermeneutics and a figural reading of scripture but what i learned as i've done this is actually you need to know who you are and why 
why you read scripture like this and so in as i was studying i was also having to go into every part of my being and honest honestly survey my life to find out why i read scripture like this gosh you just and, picked an easy topic didn't you i mean masters is hard enough like <laughs> but the the craziest thing was discovering jesus in the darkness to to find jesus in in the worst places of my life that he's actually there alive he's not dead there he's still he, like and this is what got me he says i will never leave you or forsake you i will never leave you or forsake you so that means he was always there with me for everything yeah, and yeah. so if does only life count now in this instant? Is everything lost? God knows everything. So if he's there, if he's eternal, he's still there now. So I can go back to those experiences and meet God there. And this was the hardest thing about my masters was going back into those places and finding God there. Once I found him there, he reinterpreted the experience because the way that god sees us is not how we see us or you see me or i see you god sees us differently from that and scripture says that so when god met me in those places wow he changed everything absolutely everything so i could walk out of there and not be dominated or destroyed or tortured um by my past that i could actually stand up in those places and see god there and say rightio now now there can be love for myself uh love for those that damaged me forgiveness for those that damaged me and um i'm free to live my life i'm free and, and that that's what transformed everything see i've, I've never heard it, it said like that before in terms of um when you said uh god if god is is in everything and and then he's still there in those places that's really impacted me because you know like i've i've done in, in counseling you know where is jesus in your memories kind of thing like where mm -hmm. would he be standing in that situation um but i've never heard it quite put like god is god is still present in the in those situations like he's he is time. outside of time he's so eternal. yeah so he can be and that i find that that's just a, quite a powerful little kind of thing man, i'm going to now to. go away and meditate on <laughs> I, <laughs> i'm like well i I, as, as I remember reading um so when i did my uh let's start that point again there was a project i did uh, in teacher training college which is talking about like basically cultures and education and i chose to focus on uh refugees basically if how do you educate someone who's come from a refugee experience and so i had friends who uh, had survived the Rwandan genocide, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, they were so important with me and journeying with me. Like we went out to, uh, you know, the Mangadi Refugee Centre. We actually like had the whole experience where I sat the family down and asked them questions about what it was like surviving that. I read a book by a, um, she herself was a Catholic um, Tutsi uh, Rwandan survivor called Immaculate Ilibagiza. Um, and she talked about this period of about six months where she, and I think it was six others, they were inside a bathroom 
like they were hiding out like so as not to be uh killed right but the amazing thing about this book and about her rewriting her experiences is she writes about her devotional life how much she grew spiritually through this experience and one of the things that really stuck with me is about she felt that the holy spirit was leading her to i need you to pray for those who are out there doing the killing i need you to actually pray for them because they are the children of god too you know they are actually you know my children and they're hurting each other and it breaks my heart but you know i want them to know jesus too i want them to actually be saved too even though they're committing atrocities and like that was a personal journey for her because she spent a couple months being like i can't do that they've killed my family they've killed people who are close to me like but coming away actually i want to say in an odd way but it's really not odd at all eh? being more like god for the experience because she was able to forgive those who have hurt her personally you know and that's is to be like god that love is supernatural we're all becoming more like that's the whole purpose i think of life is for us to understand ourselves in light of the christ event uh we've all seen miracles <laughs> we've all seen these amazing things of god in our life we can't fully explain them <laughs> but we've all experienced them but we've all experienced betrayal um we've we've all experienced the the loneliness of the garden of gethsemane we've we've all been completely humiliated and denied and 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 tortured by some experiences of life that that lead us to be hung on the cross or drawn into the cross of christ we're we're there we're there with him that's that's why he done it he died for us not just for something we've done he hasn't just sort of like sucked those bad things in no he sucks sucks us in we're a part of it but we're also a part of his resurrection he is alive in me in you in uh, in and everybody everybody can have this everybody can have this resurrection experience we can live in christ daily and converse with god in both the internal conversation that we're having but mostly through this the spirit of god will speak to us so in one sense christine yes it is a eisegesis exegesis but it's it's more i would just call it a spiritual reading of nice yeah i like that yeah that it is just let the spirit of god speak from what the spirit well what he does and what he what it what what the spirit chooses to do so to be to be you know uh the devil's advocate of of exegetical text and and things like that you know um because i'm hearing that and i'm going i love that right but i also there is the the bible college trained (laughs) person who's like what are you saying how could you possibly say that we should just read it as a spiritual text um i mean because that was drilled into us you know like (laughs) i can't i can't possibly just do this <laughs> but at the same time, uh, from what I'm hearing, it's not good either e- or. yeah, it's not good either. exegesis will no. lead to good eisegesis. Yeah. I think, like, yeah. if if we don't have both, we don't yeah. do either well. 
but many there would be many that say no this is the only way that yeah. you can do this and i'm like no that's todd wallop you are putting handcuffs on the spirit of god and saying mm -hmm. you will we, the grave could not contain christ my theology yeah. won't yeah, yeah well, it's, absolutely it's, it's, it's because christian mysticism doesn't just contain subjectivism it's also objectivism you know it's yep. objectivism and subjectivism uniquely yeah. right you know like you have them converging on you the believer you know yeah. that's being outworked subjectively in your own experience but there's also something that's outside you because jared grant you are not the person on the throne christ is <laughs> it's yeah. about him oh. it's about high christology uh, right like i think for me we used to like some of my i've, I've got the um but, yeah, I, I, I love I love the bookcase. Like I just love that you're yeah. I've read that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, no, I say I've, I'm saying I've read it. I've read bits of it when I've needed it. Right, like you don't need yeah, to read the whole thing. <laughs> all of us, and, and I've got logos and thousands of books. And who doesn't go into the interlinear to find out actually what does this mean? And what, and that's cool. And there is nothing wrong with trying to sort of imagine yourself back in uh, with David standing there on a balcony and he's looking down at Bathsheba and, and um, all of this. And so you do imagine yourself yeah, holding up that stick and that water passing. And so you do share this stuff. But it doesn't mean that God is trapped there actually god is here now talking and and nice. and speaking through these stories these stories all mean something but all of these stories as you guys know point back to christ yeah. and then yeah. christ for some reason points back to us and says yeah you son yeah you daughter yeah you yeah. lot yeah come yeah. follow me and it's like oh i don't want to it makes scripture so much more exciting like this oh, is what i love about you you have such a passion yeah. for it you know like yeah. you, you, it just exudes from your pores that you just love scripture and you love god and you know like amazing thing it's yeah. transformed it's, it has transformed completely and utterly my entire i i love scripture I, I and i love scripture because i love the god that speaks to me through it and that, that saved me and transformed my life and has, has given me just so much and so many experiences. It's just like, yeah. But I just want to get recording. you in like every youth group talking to teenagers who are like, the Bible's boring. I'm like, flip and talk to this dude. <laughs> it, is, it is so, it, it's just, what freaks me out about scripture is, and you'll know this because you've already experienced it, you will read this, these sort of like couple of paragraphs and it'll be like, oh my word, oh God has just spoken to me. Then you go back there six months later and he's saying something completely different from the same text and you've underlined it previously and it's like, well, it doesn't mean that much now, but now... I have a Bible that has um, columns in the side of it to write notes, right? And I told my sister I gave up writing in pen because I keep going back and wanting to erase some of the stuff that I wrote. Because I look at it and I go, that's not what that means at all anymore. But it's actually really good to keep those notes to be able to look at the progression of, of my understanding of what's going on. But Honestly, I'm too scared of the Bible half the time to read it. <laughs> it's a like, pretty powerful thing yeah. <laughs> it, yeah it is it is so powerful what mm. what is behind 
those bits of text, whether you read it in English, in the Good News Bible, NIV, or Greek, or Hebrew, what, the word behind it created Jupiter. Oh, that's, that's, that's that deep. Is how that's deep. powerful it is that it not only created solar systems and everything that we're going to see through the, the, the new web telescope, it also created me to be in this time and space and experience all of these things and journey with me personally, but also with you personally at exactly the same time. It's mind blowing, really, when you, you break it down like that. Like the word, the word, yeah, the word that created Jupiter is the same word that we read in the Bible who created us so we could read the Bible so we could know the word that. <laughs> mind just exploded and melted um i mean i would love to talk to you about this all day because mm. you're so passionate about it and i love it because i i love scripture as well and it changed my life and it it is something i am just hugely passionate about um and i love meeting other people who are just like on fire with it it's just amazing um but not in a way that's that ignores the intellectual side of it as well like mm. you often get people who are really on fire but they're like no no i don't want to do the study because that will kill the fire and it's like actually mm. you do it well it stokes the fire you know and it can mm. you know build it up and... one, of, one of my heroes john uh, Hus, um bohemian he was one of the first people to get the greek text and start digging into it and retranslate the vulgate so that would lead on to martin luther and um, and wickliffe and all of that and it was it was somebody that was so passionate for it he was prepared to die for it and he yeah. did yeah it, it, yeah it's, it's awesome anyway. yeah it is awesome and i mean seriously i could listen to you for hours just talk about how awesome it is but unfortunately we don't have hours so um i think we probably need to segue and what are you doing now you know you, you did this masters you know you you obviously found this amazing passion for theology um you you had your entire life turned upside down and inside out and then remade and resurrected into something beautiful and incredible what now for tony g and to query to query something on that as well tony like yeah. i imagine i mean you're studying and teaching oh here i am stealing some of your thunder you're, you're doing some teaching now. I know, right? Um, mm. But part of that journey is actually you went through a time of doing this chaplaincy. You were in a school mm. in the UK. I'm imagining mm. some of that experience is informing where you are now and where you are heading. No, without a doubt. So what happened was my 33rd birthday, I go into a church in my hometown in the UK. And I may have already mentioned this. This bloke just spoke into my life just in the middle of his sermon, just pointed, said these few things at me, then sat down, then we had a worship time, he stood up and he spoke all of this stuff over me. And one of those, one of the things that he said was, I see education and I see lots and lots of children. And- um, Did you just so laugh at him? I did, especially <laughs> that that was the day, that was the day that we found out that Sarah was pregnant with our first kid. Oh, no way. That's <laughs> amazing. My, I love that. God has such my, a sense of humor, doesn't he? My 33rd birthday, the same sort of age that Christ was when he died. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. And it's just the start some, of your death, you know. It was just, this <laughs> is my cruciformity. Yeah. <laughs> some some I, nutter is now speaking this stuff into me. And, and the truth was, 
Your dad no qualification. He's saying, I see you're going to get an education. You're going to be working with children and all of this. And I became a children and families pastor and minister and done all of that stuff. And anyway, what happened was I was, I'd finished Bible college and, um, my family in this family we take votes on things so do we want to go out for pizza or should we get an indian in there's four votes in the house anyway this one night friday night they decided to vote me out of this house to go fishing and catch four snapper <laughs> that we would have fresh fish tomorrow i love that i love that you just got voted out <laughs> so i go out into the bay out here go out on my boat, I catch all of the fish, start my engine up, start coming back in, engine died. So I start pulling the, the motor, trying to get it started again, and I just see this huge oil slick all the way behind me, and I look, and I have drifted a long way out. So the estuary is pouring out with water, and it's just pushed me. I am now probably 2Ks from where I originally started. I just chucked the anchor down, and it caught with one meter left to go. Of, of rope so it was just like boom radio i am not swimming back there because i'm petrified of sharks um what am i gonna i will call i'd left my phone by the bedside table oh, oh anyway so it's dusk yeah so i'll just wait until it's dark and i let off my flare and i just looking for my flare actually i let off this flare it went about a meter up in the air and then sunk to the bottom of the ocean and lit up, <laughs> lit up the bottom of the sea. And I could see all of these fish down there. It's like, cheers, Lord. Only in your life, Tony. Only yeah. in your life, hey? <laughs> did the fish help? Right. No. <laughs> I did have my wetsuit. I did have my wetsuit in the boat. So I put that on to try and keep myself warm. And I sat there and I, I tried to speak to God, but he wouldn't speak to me. He did not speak. He wouldn't say a word. It was just like I was out there. There was nothing going on inside my head. There was there was just nothing. It was like I'm just sitting on this flat as sea, which was helpful. It was flat as, but it was light drizzle. And I sat there for ages and ages. Um, and then out of nowhere, God, audible, what do you want? <laughs> That's, that's what I get. What to do you get want? Home. <laughs> what I said, and it was like it came from down here somewhere, and I felt it come up and come out of my mouth, and I said, "I want to go home." And as I said it, it was like my mind's eye, boom! I suddenly saw England, and I was like, "No, wow! I want to go back to England." And I was just like, and that's all that happened. Then over this side of the boat, boom, this huge light come on and came straight towards me. And it was the lifeguard. They came and found me and they came up and they're shining there. Oh, is there anybody else out here? And I'm like, no, there's just me. You come to it. No, we come to get a, a, a little Asian man. And I'm like, well, I'm is not Asian, but you could take me in. They're like, G? Was it the G? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out here. I'm Mr. G, and I was like, "Well, I'm, I am Mr. G, but I'm not Asian." And you're not tiny, and you're not tiny. <laughs> you're a big lad. Clearly, clearly not. Anyway, they told me back in. I didn't tell my wife for two weeks, um, 
and I in the end I told her and she was like no nine months after that event we were in the UK wow. it was an experience of God we had prayed and fasted about it the following morning I we had 11 points that if God wanted to take us to the UK he would fill all those 11 points 7 30 the next morning I opened up a laptop saw a job um that had been online for one hour went through ticked off all 11 i applied for it a few months later i was over there had two days of interviews they gave me the job against more a lot more highly qualified people than me i got the job before i'd even left the grounds of the school i was over there working with thousands of, of kids in urban priority area in, in south of england it was difficult really really difficult because kids come into school carrying a lot of baggage on their back from home especially from the night before from their social circles from their families from all of this stuff and they drag it into school and then we want them Amen. to do maths or english Amen. or whatever else and they're Amen. carrying all of this stuff on their back and they're like how do we do this how do we do this and they didn't want to do it. So they just started fighting or hitting people with this bag of crap. <laughs> and, and, and so they would end up coming down to my office. First, first day there, I'll, I'll just quickly tell you this. On first day there, I decided I'm not going to be like the previous chaplain that wore a dog collar and would want them to sing um, Morning Is Broken or whatever. I'm going to be me. So I wore in my Adidas shell toes, pair of jeans and a t-shirt. And I showed a video clip in assembly from the film 300. <laughs> where Xerxes comes along and he wants the Spartan king to bow down. And it's just this mad sort of cinematography. And it's this huge, huge school screen with this just like mad vision on it. I paused it there and I was like, who are you going to bow down to? Who are you going to bow down? Down to Mate, and you would have been like favorite straight away. They'd be like, This dude is awesome. Morning, I've been told by the previous chaplain they will not come to your office. You're going to have to find them in the playground. 14 kids were outside my office at first break, and it stayed like that for three years. And on a on a on a good day. I'd see 10 to 15 kids, something like that, just dealing with various issues, boyfriend, girlfriend tr troubles or being arrested or whatever. Bad days, I'd see two kids. And this would be huge things. I had one kid, uh, he's a three-year-old boy. He was in the nursery over the way. His dad had died. Um, his dad was a drug dealer. His dad had crashed into a tree. Dad had died. Mum did, did not know how to say this to him. I had to tell him that his dad had passed away last night. Um, other That's other horrific. kids, yeah, no, some of it was really bad. I had oh, uh, awesome students. I won't go too much into it, but bad stuff happened. Dad's going to prison. Kids taken into care. All of this sort of stuff, and having to journey with these kids as God has journeyed with me through pain, suffering, trauma, all of that, and journey with them. And man, yeah, I'd need my school holidays. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. They just go on with carrying that so, crap with some of them kids. Yeah. So, how? Why did you move from from the chaplaincy thing into the teaching arena? Um, after I finished my masters, uh, my amazing Sarah said to me, "You are not doing your doctorate until the boys have left college." So, I basically, got about another five year wait, and so I'm looking. I'd I'd left the church 
2019 was it 20 2019 i think i, I finished being a, a, ch a chaplain and then children and families minister and so i was just going to go out and get a an executive job uh i've got the brains i've got a loads of qualifications i can go i can translate this into something else um at the same time i had rental properties and and stuff that i was doing i was making who couldn't make money in housing in the U in in New Zealand? So I was making a lot of money from developing properties, and and I was just enjoying myself. But then COVID rocked up, and it was just like, man, this is really painful, Lord. It's not like I know I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what direction you want me to go in. Last year, just gone, December the fifteenth, um, Jenny Mackey from Laidlaw College sent out an email. Um, just saying that they had new uh, theological programs start in 2022. And I was just like, oh, I wonder if mild lecturers are still going to be there or if some other lecturers are going to be there. Uh, I haven't known. So I go, I, I click on the link, I go on the, uh, and read it all. Doesn't really interest me. I'm not, I'm not studying any more theology for a long time. Last paragraph. Oh, my word. Last paragraph was uh, study for a graduate diploma in secondary school education. No way. <laughs> Jesus, you're not there. <laughs> Don't do this to me, Lord. Because honestly, I wanted to be a primary school teacher. Funny how like there's, there's a theme of you saying to God, no, and just seems to be keeping on saying yes. Someone giggling at me because it'd be like, oh, guess what you're doing, son? And I'll be like, no way, I'm not doing that. He's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Like me. So this is, the, I am a former criminal. I am a former drug abuser. I am a former so many negative things. And then I go into church ministry. <laughs> so I go back. To Amen. Amen. <laughs> we call you now. Are you a bishop? Are you a bishop? Are you like? Um, <laughs> and it's like I'm not a bishop. And then, oh, you got educate. You you got a doctorate. Are you a doctor? Bishop, doctor. And it's just like everyone just taking the Mickey out of me. And so when God suddenly calls me to education, and I had looked, I had looked at primary school stuff. So I'd looked at Auckland Uni, I'd looked at Massey, I'd looked at all this stuff, and it was just like, no, nah, God's not there. I couldn't find God there. In all of the stuff that I was reading, he wasn't there. And then I read this one email from Jenny. Thank you very much, Jenny. One email, and God's sitting there in the text. Uh, secondary school. <laughs> so I was like, oh no, Sarah, Sarah is um Sarah's not gonna be happy about this. So I take the laptop upstairs, showed her, and she was like, Yes. Yeah. So an hour later, <laughs> I applied. I busted into my my summer holiday that year to come down for an interview. And um yeah, then I had a I had a one hour interview or whatever, drove back to my holiday destination and, and that evening I got an email to say congratulations you are in less than so it's 
that was a Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning. I started my first lecture. <laughs> nice. God doesn't mess around with you, does he? He just throws you in the deep end. And, and yeah. honestly, as soon as I got into, into Kingsway, um, it was just like, oh, this is why you've done this, 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 this and that. Oh, my gosh. And it keeps on breaking in to me in, in lessons and as I meet people and hear things and experience things at, at school that it's just like, oh, I get you now. I know why you don't. You are Yes, Jesus. <laughs> Tony, Tony, we, I, I could talk to you just oh. all day about everything. No, I mean, we do, we have to, we have to kind of finish it up. I mean, I feel like, you know, you could come back for 10 more casts and we'd just talk about your life and it would be fantastic. Um, oh. I've always loved talking to you. You've always got the greatest stories and I have no idea how this stuff happens to one person and it's hilarious and it's great. <laughs> But we, we do need to wrap up. So what um, we would we would love to to pray for you. And I mean, I'm just stoked like that you now get to input so much into to young people's lives um, yeah. and show them the hope and the joy and, and the love that you have now, um, which is such a contrast to where you were at their age. And that is so incredible. And just it makes my soul sing. It just Amen. makes me go, God is so good. Um, and and it's just so exemplified in your story. And that's just fantastic. It's just amazing. So we would like to pray for you. Um, and then we'll we'll just wrap up the the thing. I mean, we've had so much fun with you. You're mm. such a good laugh. Like I just love talking to you. We will have you back at some point. <laughs> it will happen. Um, but yeah, is there anything in particular that you um, would like prayer for? to do, and I have got one dodgy laptop to work on. Yeah, you do have a dodgy laptop that you yeah. really need to get. Yeah, well, we'll pray over the laptop to cast out <laughs> the demons of the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll work. Who knows? Uh, but we'll do that. Um, and yeah, Jared, do you? Um, I'll, should I just start, and then you can chuck on some stuff at the end if you want. Are you happy with that, Jared? Love you, yep, friend. Cool. Go for it. All right. Jesus, thank you so much for Tony, um, for who he is, for his life, for the crazy, crazy stories he has, um, just the incredible, complete turnaround of him as a person, um, the, the actual embodiment of your resurrection power in his life. Um, I mean, we hear this story and we go, wow, Tony has an amazing story, but really, God, it's it's you mm. have this amazing story through Tony. Um, and you have done this incredible work um, with him and through him and for him. And it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And it it makes me want to praise the God who has done this for Tony and to know that God more. Um Lord, we pray for him. We pray for him as he embarks on a whole new other course in life um, to become a secondary school teacher. Um, we pray for his essays, for his sanity, um, for his laptop, <laughs> for all the things that he needs. <laughs> um, we pray for his family while he's a student as well, because that can be quite stressful on families as well. 
Um, we pray for them as a cohesive unit, um, for his wife putting up with him on a daily basis as well. <laughs> God, give her strength. <laughs> Um, but Lord, we, we thank you for who he is and for the, the passion that he has for you and for your word and for the love that he uses to show that passion to others. Um, yeah, Lord, we, we ask for your blessing over him and over his life and over his family. Not much more to say there, Lord, except, uh, we love this man. We thank you for the privilege to, uh, meet with him and to share with him. We thank you, Lord, that via fellowship, the, the body is edified. And this brother and this sister have certainly been blessed by what you have done in this man's life, Lord. And therefore, by extension, what you will now, on the back of thoughts that will go away and think about what you now will continue to do in us, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> um, we pray this in the name, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this time for this space lord for your love and your grace in all lord i pray that we would recognize the journey that you would speak into our lives through our lives and i pray that we would glorify you and that you would be glorified by what you do in our lives lord help us to recognize speak to us through your word through your spirit through your grace and love in jesus amen Amen. Amen. And amen. Look, fantastic time. Thank you um, to Tony. Thank you for those who are listening to this. I hope you have been blessed through his story as well. Yeah. Anyway, thank you twos and threes for gathering with us today. And we will see you in the next cast. Happy to. Bless you guys. Love you.